Well, good morning. Uh, it is my joy to welcome you in worship once again this morning. I confess it's good to see so many faces because at 10.50, I didn't think anyone was showing up. So uh, I'm glad you all made your way, that you found your way, no matter what your morning looked like this morning. Um, we're just glad you're here. I want to especially uh, just welcome those who may be joining us after Easter. Maybe last week was your first Sunday with us and you chose to come back. Again, it's just so good to be together in worship this morning. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. Uh, I serve on the staff here of Christ Church and just have the joy and the privilege of being part of our preaching team. Dan Meyer is out on vacation this week. He'll be back next week. And so it is just my joy and honor this morning to just help us come together and press pause for a minute on just our lives and just to experience what God may have for us, what he already has had for us through his worship, through the Holy Spirit that is just moving through this room, and uh, as we enter his good and holy word together this morning. As I was preparing for our message this morning, I have to be honest, I haven't been able to get Dan's message from last week out of my head. And I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to that. If you didn't, I would encourage you, go back and listen to some of the things that Dan shared. Because the, the thing that I can't get out of my head is, is the thing that he shared to, with us as a community of believers that we need to hold on to. He shared three things. Do you remember them? He shared three things and he said, we need to know, you need to know that you matter. You need to know that you have purpose, that God has given you a purpose. And you need to know that you are part of a bigger story, that as the book of Ephesians said, that God has been weaving together before the foundation of time. And I want us to remember those three things this morning. I want us to hold on to those three things and I want us to use them as a backdrop for what we are gonna talk about today because I just wanna to confess to you, at times, it may feel like I'm contradicting those three things by the message that God has laid on my heart this morning. It's gonna feel like I'm just kind of pushing up against them a little bit, but I'm doing that on purpose. It's intentional because I want us to remember this morning, especially, especially in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we just celebrated last week, our risen Lord and Savior, I want us to remember that we are unconditionally loved by the good and gracious God of the universe. And I want us to remember that because we are going to be challenging this morning a very popular cultural narrative that not says you are loved, but that says you are enough. You are enough. How many of you have heard this somewhere right now in our culture? How many of you maybe have seen it on a t-shirt? Maybe you've been in a cute little boutique in the western suburbs and you've seen it on a bracelet or maybe that you have seen it on a hashtag on social media. You are enough. If you do a quick Google search, you will find that hashtag I am enough shows up in 1.2 million Instagram posts. And it's, it's not all bad. There's actually some really beautiful things about this. There, there is something very inspiring and authentic and vulnerable about the stories that people are sharing. And the reason I think there is something so beautiful about it is because they speak to a deep longing, 
a deep longing in our human souls that just want to know that we are enough, that what we bring every day into this world, that what we have to offer, that it's enough. The root word of enough is sufficient. We want to know that we're sufficient, that we're adequate, that we are competent. I remember one year my kids came home from one of our middle school camps and the theme of that week was hashtag enough and they came home with these cute little blue t-shirts that said that on it and I thought, yes, yes, there's something that resonates with it. I just want my kids to know that they are enough. I came across one influencer on Instagram called Atticus Poetry. Uh, Atticus Poetry has 1.6 million followers, 1.6 million. And I came across a post that got some particular attention. It had more than 20,000 likes. And it said this, you are enough. You are a thousand times enough. And Atticus Poetry goes on to say, I don't know if it's a man or a woman writing this, they go on to say, I, I've received so many comments, so many messages, so many tattoos around this phase, people, phrase. People are branding themselves with this hashtag, I am enough. And they go on to say that I often write to remind myself of these things. And I'm so surprised when other people feel the same way because so many of us feel that we're not enough. So many of us feel like imposters. <laughs> that one day we might be discovered and maybe everything will be taken away. My friends, can I ask you this morning, has anyone ever felt like they're not enough? <laughs> has anyone ever felt that maybe you're not enough at work? You're not enough at home? You're not enough at school? You're not enough in your marriage? You're not enough in your dating relationships? You're not enough in your friendships? You're not enough in your parenting? You're not enough for that person that you are caring for, that your loved one that you have to care for. You're not enough in the social engagement in your neighborhood. You're not enough when you look at your to-do list, when you look at your dreams, when you look at your 401k. Some of you maybe feel like you're not enough when you come here and you sit in this room and worship together. I remember uh, one day very distinctly, the day that Eric and I had our firstborn child. And uh, our daughter, Sadie, uh, was our firstborn, and I remember when they sent us home from the hospital, maybe some of you have had this experience, but uh, Eric had gone out to get the car, and the nurse put me in a wheelchair, and she places this helpless little three-day-old, swaddled, uh, little fragile baby in my arms, and she pushes me towards the glass doors, and there's Eric waiting on the other side, and I remember thinking first how strange it was that they didn't ask me for a credit card, I didn't go through a checkout line, no one swabbed me, like nothing happened in security, they, they were just going to let me leave, and I, I remember looking at the nurse, and I remember thinking, you're actually going to let us leave with another actual human being that you've just placed in my arms. And I remember wanting to look at her and say, you do know that we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> Any parents in here ever feel like that? Don't tell my kids I just said that, by the way. We're, we're trying to fake it till we make it with them. I think of that. I, I think of that moment and I think about how that is a microcosm of experiences that have repeated themselves in a myriad of ways throughout my life where something has been placed in my hands and I have felt completely inadequate for the task that is ahead of me. 
Now I want to pause here for a minute, and I want to go back to where we started, because remember I started, I said, I wanted you to know you're unconditionally loved. I wanted you to know that you matter, that you have a purpose, that God has been weaving together this big, bigger story for you, of which you are a part, and then I came in and I just reminded you of all your inadequacies. <laughs> I apologize for that, but actually I did it very intentionally and I did it on purpose because what I want us to do this morning is I want us to feel the tension of these two things. I want us to hold one in hand and I want us to hold the other in another hand and I want us to feel the weight and the tension that comes when we are living both of these stories. I recently listened to a talk given at Wheaton College in 2015 um, by a pastor named Willie Jenkins. And Willie Jenkins comes in and he talks about the power of story to influence our lives. And he says that when you look in the mirror, that uh, the reflection you see that stares back at you, that it's made up of a collection of stories that over the course of your life have told you who you are. And I think we probably all intuitively know this. We know that we are a collection of stories and they come from our family of origin and they, they come from the place we grew up. They come from our socioeconomic status. They come from our gender. They come from our relationships. They come from our ethnicity. They come from the mentors who have spoken to our life and on and on it goes. And he says, you are a collection of stories. And you realize that when you see the reflection that looks back at you. But the other thing, not only are you an, a, a collection of stories, but we have given certain storytellers permission and power and authority to speak into our lives and to tell us who we are. We have. We do it. I think we do know it. But here's the catch. As the people of God, as people who consider ourselves Christ followers, we need to be incredibly wise and discerning about which storytellers we are going to listen to. What stories we are going to give permission to speak into our lives and tell us who we are. And so let's put all this together, okay? Let's put this together. So if part of our struggle is the reality, the reality of the human journey that we often feel like we're not enough and that deep in our souls, we have a longing, a desire to know that we are enough, that we are sufficient, that we are adequate, that we are competent. And then, and then some very powerful storytellers come along and they tell us what our itching ears want to hear. They say what our souls are longing to receive. They speak into the inadequacy of our lives like our friend Atticus and they say, no, 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 you are enough. You're a thousand times enough. And you know what, when I tell you enough, I just hope I hope that means that I am too. And when we hear that, there is something that wells up inside of us in these dry and cracked pieces of our soul. They just soak it in because we long to be part of this bigger story and we let it fill us up and we tattoo it on our arms and we put it on our social media pages and we, we wear t-shirts and we post it all over the place. But there's a problem. There's a problem because, my friends, this morning, when we look at that story in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a problem. Because what happens when we give permission to the wrong storyteller? 
what happens when the story that we've given permission to speak into our lives and shape who we are and reflect back to us the story of who we are that at the end of the day, it's not really the story of who we are as Christ followers at all. In fact, this morning, I would argue that we could search the pages of scripture from cover to cover, and we would not find one story, not one, that tells us we are enough. In fact, I think the exact opposite is true. I think the Bible is full of stories and of people who were not enough. Adam and Eve were not enough when they took a bite in the fruit of the garden. The people of the ancient world were not enough when they tried to build a tower to work their way to heaven. Abram and Sarai were not enough when they could not conceive a child on their own. Joseph was not enough when his brothers sold him into slavery. Moses was not enough when he tried to lead the people out of Egypt. King David was not enough when he solicited another man's wife. The people of Israel were not enough when they pegged God for a king. The kings of Israel were not enough to keep God's people from being conquered by the people and the neighbors around him. The prophets were not enough to save the city of Jerusalem and keep the temple of God from being burned to the ground and the people of God being sent into exile for hundreds of years. The Bible is a history of people, my friends, who were not enough. When we get to the pages of the New Testament, we see it all over again. Just history repeats itself. We see the Jewish people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the priests, all the people that we have been learning about throughout the Lenten journey right up to the Easter story, we see that they were not enough to keep themselves from being dominated by a Roman government. John the Baptist was not enough to keep from being beheaded. The men who lowered their paralytic friend through the roof of a thatched hut were not enough to make him walk again. The woman who'd been suffering with the issue of blood for 12 years was not enough to make herself well again. The synagogue leader whose daughter had died was not enough to raise her to life again. The disciples were not enough when they fell asleep in the garden. Judas was not enough when he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Peter was not enough when he denied Jesus for the third time. The women were not enough when they showed up at the empty tomb and a bright, young, educated, affluent man named Saul from Tarsus who when you looked at his worldly list of what it meant to be enough could check every single box. My friends, he was not enough to save himself on the road to Damascus. When we encounter the story of the Bible, when we allow ourselves to enter the story that truly makes us who we are, I believe the only thing that we see when we allow the pages of scripture to reflect back to us is not a story of people who are enough, but it's the story of a good and gracious God who alone is enough, who alone is sufficient, who alone is adequate. The psalmist tells us who alone is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, because of that, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, 
Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, even though all of that stuff is true, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and because God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations, my friends, nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms are falling, and God, what does he do? He lifts his voice up in the earth. It just melts around him because the Lord Almighty, he is with us. He is present in our stories. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The story of a good and gracious God who alone is efficient, sufficient, sent his son to rescue their people from themselves so that they would have freedom. Freedom. It's what we learned about last week. It's what we sang about this morning. Freedom of ever having to be enough. The story of the Apostle Paul, that, that man, that young man who traveled the road to Tarsus and was met by the Lord, the resurrected Christ in a blinding light, his story is just this beautiful picture of what happens. Not only when we meet God, when we meet God and we see that, that his life and his purpose and identity are completely transformed in that moment, but then every day, every day he gets up and he takes another step and he allows this, this new identity to reflect back to him who he is, and we see in the story of the Apostle Paul that he is able, he is able to hold the two stories in tension, hand in hand. He can hold the story that he matters and he has purpose and that he is part of God's bigger purposes. And then in the other hand, we see he can clearly say that he is not enough, that he will never be enough. We see this really clearly, uh, for those of you who may not know, Paul wrote most of the books in the New Testament. And he, one of the things he does, he writes letters to churches that are struggling, to people who need his wisdom. And so uh, Paul writes this letter to a church in Corinth. And you heard Hannah read some of that letter to us this morning. And the church in Corinth is just this messy, broken, uh, messed up people who are arguing and who are divided and who are polarized about a number of things. And so Paul writes them a letter to speak into their lives. And in this letter, Paul, the first thing he does is he confesses his not enoughness. He confesses his inadequacy. He says, so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved, says Paul, to know nothing while I was with you. I resolved to know absolutely nothing, to be completely inadequate except Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, that's all I need. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but, but with what? But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith, so that your faith, that your story might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power alone. Paul goes on, he continues, he actually had to uh, write the Corinthians a second letter because they didn't really get it the first time. And so he writes to them again and he says, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting, says Paul. 
But in this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord, I'm talking as a fool. He's putting himself under the submission of Jesus Christ. And he says, he goes on, he confesses, he says, look, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the, from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. If you don't know Paul's story, read it. I have constantly been on the move. He says, I have been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my fellow Jews. I've been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Everywhere Paul goes, every place that he goes, he has been pressed in on every side to test the story of who he is. He says, I have labored and I've toiled. I've gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of the concern for all of these churches that I care about and that I love. I feel, I feel responsible for them. And he says, who is weak? You think I don't feel weak? He says, who is led to sin? Who is tempted? You think I don't inwardly burn? But then Paul says, but if I must boast... I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Because the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, he is to be praised forever. Because the Lord said to me, says Paul, my grace is what? My grace is sufficient. My grace alone is enough for my power is made perfect in weakness. And when I am weak, says Paul, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, about my inadequacy, so that Christ's power may rest on me, that it may fill me up. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness, I delight in hardships, I delight in those insults and persecution and in difficulties, for when I am weak, what? It's when I'm strong. For when I am weak, says Paul, when I confess my inadequacy, that's when God can do his best work. That's when God can transform my story. I confess this morning that um, I have a reason that I wanted to share this. This morning, this, this kind of message has been kicking around in my own soul for about the last five years. And, and I, I wanted to throw it out to some of you to just test the truth of what I'm saying, to see if this makes sense, to see if I'm, I'm, I'm uh, saying the truth of God in a community of believers, because um, the story stems from my own life. When I first started on staff here about um, five years ago, I had been on a journey. I had been on a journey for quite some time, and maybe some of you have been on the same kind of journey where I was just trying to discover who I was. I was trying to discover my purpose in this world. I was trying to discover who I wanted to be when I grew up, what I wanted to do. And so one of the things that I felt really specifically called to during that time that I felt like God wanted me to do was to teach and to speak and to preach. And so I used to, um, before I ever spoke in front of a crowd, I used to just drive around in my car and tell stories out loud and just imagine there was like faceless people out there in a crowd just listening. And that's what I started to do and I started to share this with a few friends that this is what I felt like my calling was to. This is what I felt like God had gifted me for. And, and so when I uh, got hired for the job here at church, I finally thought, okay, this is my opportunity to prove that this thing 
that God has given me, this, this baby that he's placed in my lap, that it's my chance to prove that I can finally do the thing that he's called me to do. And with that was also a great deal of anxiety because um, if you guys heard Dan preach during Lent, he shared uh, the story of feeling sometimes like you might be on American Idol and that uh, you're the person that everyone has said, oh, you're good at this, you should do this, and you think you should do it. And then you stand in front of the judges and you find out that the thing you thought you were good at is actually not the thing that you're good at at all. And so I had a little bit of that anxiety going because before I even started my very first day here, um, I found out that they had scheduled me to preach on Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday is my very favorite service of the year, and so I was super excited, but I was also super nervous. And like I said, I thought this was finally my opportunity to step up and show how adequate I was. And I don't really remember. I got up and preached that day. I don't really remember what I said. But what I do remember is when I sat down in the seat afterwards, I felt like it was definitely not enough. And I just remember my weakness and my shame and my inadequacy just kind of settling over me. And I struggled for the next several days. I just let that keep turning inside of me. And at the time, I had a friend by the name of Amy who was studying to be, uh, she was becoming a, a life uh, transformation coach. And so um, she needed some people to practice on and she asked if she could coach me and if I could kind of be a, just a, a practice run for her. And so I said, absolutely, I'd be happy to. And so I remember sitting down in my office fresh off of this experience and I was on the phone with her and we started talking about this and um, she really started to press in on it. And like any good counselor or coach, she kept pressing in and she kept saying, what is this really about? What is this really about? And as she pressed in on me, I finally said, she said, what are you so afraid of? And I said, I, I'm afraid of not being enough. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I'm, I'm not competent and capable enough? And in that moment, what I wanted her to do was swoop in with the story that my soul desperately needed to hear. I wanted her to swoop in and say, ah, ah, you are enough. You are a thousand times enough. But I sat there on the phone with her at my desk and she did not say that. And instead, she said to me something very differently. She said, all right, so what if you're not enough? What if you're not? And I thought, I'm so glad I'm not paying for this session right now. <laughs> then she said, what if you're not enough? And what if that's okay? And those three simple words, as I've let them kind of turn over my soul over these last five years, have been life-changing for me. Life-changing for me because I realize that my tendency, and maybe this is your tendency too, is when we come at things, when we come to the world, we think, well, I, I, I know I'm not 100% enough, but maybe if I can just be 30% enough, or maybe I can be 50% enough or 80% enough, and God will just fill in my gaps. He's like one of those seat fillers at the Oscars. You know what I mean? When you get up to go to the restroom and he comes down and sits, like God will just fill up my gap. And in that moment, I knew that I had that story all wrong. And in that moment, I knew that, no, it's okay to be 0%. And God is the 100%. God doesn't just fill in my gaps my friends. He doesn't fill in your gaps because that is not the story that 
That is not the story of the resurrection. That is not the story of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank goodness that when it came to the cross that we didn't have to put 30% out to deliver ourselves from our own sin and death and destruction. Thank goodness that Jesus Christ can do that all by himself. He doesn't need us at all. And in fact, he already did. He already did. How does that truth change who we are? How does living in that space of saying, okay, Jesus, I'm not enough, because you know what? The truth is, we're not, and we're never gonna feel like enough. The truth is, we're gonna fail at work. The truth is, sometimes our marriages are gonna fall apart. The truth is, sometimes we're not gonna get into the college of our dreams. We're not gonna keep our commitments. We're we're gonna not make good on those plans that we had. We're gonna disappoint the people we love. But what if, what if today, my friends, we said rather than beating ourselves up or striving for more, what if we took that? What if we took that and we laid it at the feet of Jesus and we confess and we repent and we acknowledge our brokenness and our limitations and what if we allow the thing that stares back at us in the mirror, as we boast in our weaknesses, what if we allow the thing that stares back at us in the mirror be the only thing we need? The only story that tells us who we are because we trust that the all-sufficient reflection of the God of the universe is the only thing that's staring back at us. I don't know what story, my friends, you are carrying today. I don't know if what stories that have been staring back at you, if they have been a collection of reflections that said, you know what, you're not enough, and so you just got to try harder, and you got to work longer, and you got to climb that ladder until someone in this world validates that you are enough. I don't know if that's your story. Or I don't know if your story is one that's been reflecting back at you that has just poked holes in your shame and inadequacy and said, you know what, those things that you feel like you're not enough, you know what, you're right. And so rather than you trying to climb, it just tears you down. I don't know what your story today, but my friends, I know that both of those stories are exhausting. Both of them are exhausting, and the God of the universe is just waiting. He's waiting for you, and he's waiting for me, rather than trying to be enough to experience the freedom, the freedom that comes only when we can say, you know what, I'm not enough. I'm not enough, and that's okay. Because the beauty of the hope of the resurrection is that God stepped off his throne in heaven and died on a cross and was risen again on the third day because he's never, ever expected us to be enough. The worship team is going to come. We're just going to sing one last song as we close this morning. And um, this song is called Jaira. Maybe you know this song. I don't know if you know what um, Jaira means. Jaira is a Hebrew name for God that simply means God will provide. And it was given to God by Abraham. Abraham, when he climbed up a mountain with his one and only son, prepared to sacrifice his son, but he did so only because he trusted that God alone was enough. And so as we Stand and sing this song this morning. Jaira, you are enough. 
I'm just gonna invite you this morning to turn that back, to pray a prayer to God, take all your enoughness, set yourself free, lay it at the feet of Jesus in its rightful place and proclaim together, let us proclaim together as a community that God, you alone, Jaira, God, you are enough. <laughs>